5: Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois,
6: with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop!
2: Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and I am not going to be your host today. We'll get to that in a minute. But I am joined in the studio by Ken, Matt, and Jeff. How's it going, gentlemen?
7: hello doing good just got off a nice 14-hour shift so i'm prime for trivia now
2: i heard you had to let some people go yeah
7: well they just they were promoted to customer as we like to say in the industry
2: (laughs) (laughs) off to greener pastures i guess
4: i think neil was promoted to a customer he's uh, nashing on a big bull of general So's chicken Yeah.
2: yeah, this uh, episode is sponsored by uh, Panda Express. We'll Don't redact the panda. Don't give away free sponsors. Well, we'll redact the Panda Express. They're not going to give us any money. They will not. Uh, but yeah, I'm enjoying some Panda Express. They won't even give you good fortune cookies anymore. You have to pay for them. It's terrible. Yeah, and I have to ask for soy sauce. Yeah, but just, just put one in the bag. It's okay. What is going on there? Yeah, um, but uh, uh, other than the Panda Express uh, chicken and the gentleman in the studio, we have. Uh, a special guest contestant with us today, and he's coming to us from Houston, Texas, and that is Stephen Powell. How's it going, Stephen?
0: It's going great. How are you?
2: Doing well. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, you know how you got into trivia, and and what you do.
0: I'm a registered nurse in the Texas Medical Center, as well as a uh, DJ with K Tree Rice Radio, ninety-six point one FM. Um, I got into trivia a few years ago and compete with uh, a company called Challenge Entertainment. They had their National Trivia League finals this past weekend. I actually listened to your show, you know, enough leading up to it. It helped out enough, and we placed 11th out of uh, 204 registered teams.
2: Awesome. Wow! wow. Pretty good congratulations. Glad to hear our voices didn't uh, you know ruin your your trivia time there. <laughs> Uh, and as far as DJing, that's awesome. Uh, do you have a, a website or anything, any place that people can find you for the the show you do, or SoundCloud, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, for all of the uh, kids, you know, who do social media, I'm personally at uh, DJ Nursic because I'm the nurse bring you music, and the uh, radio station is uh, K Rice Radio, and uh, I'll post links and. Or whatever.
2: Yeah, nice, yeah, send nice. us the links. Yeah, we'll, we'll put them on the uh, the show notes. Uh, and thank you very much for, for your service as a registered nurse. I have a lot of family members that are nurses, and uh, it's uh, hard work, and, and mm-hmm. we need people to do it. So thank you for for doing that. And I just hope one day if I do break my knee or my leg or something in Houston that you will be scratching while I come into the <laughs> OR.
0: <so. laughs> I'd be happy to.
2: Thank you. Uh, and uh, one more introduction. Uh, he is our universal champion. He's uh, one of our favorite people uh, back uh, from a long trip uh, to japan and he's going to tell us all about it but it's our our good friend and awesome person david Levisey. how's it going david
3: good how are you good job getting my last name correctly
2: mm. well remember i told you we have the um we have the secret sauce which is you sing gin blossoms hey david levacy <laughs> i like it a lot yeah so um <laughs> how, how's everything going tell us about your trip to japan
3: Everything's going great. Um, so I went to Japan for about a week. And one of my favorite parts there was I went to Nara, which is a city right outside Kyoto. Um, it's kind of the birthplace of um, Japanese Buddhism. And they had these deer there where um, they're so ingrained and they're, like sacred to the people there. They're like mes- messengers for the kami, which is like the spirits of Shintoism. Um, and they're so ingrained in the society that they bow to you when you want, and like they want the crackers that you're trying to give them before they, like if, if you don't give it to them right away, like they bow in order to get it. It's kind of cool.
6: <laughs> Neil does
2: that too, actually. When I he the crackers. <laughs> Yeah, When I want a cracker, I bow. That's correct. If
6: I'm not mistaken, the, uh, crackers, um, near that shrine are the original origin of actual Chinese fortune cookies, which we were discussing earlier. Thanks to Neil's Panda Express. So oh. they were originally a Japanese cookie. Um, then we interned all the Japanese people uh, following World War II, mm-hmm. and uh, the Chinese took over a lot of the Japanese uh, business, and uh, Chinese fortune cookies were born. So there you go.
4: There's a little history for you yeah. before the trivia. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know about I don't know about you, David, but um, my favorite part of my trip to Japan was uh, the plane ride back.
3: Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, no that's pretty cool. I um it's horrible, so is it? I got back. I got back Wednesday and then on Saturday I slept probably 18 hours. Yeah. And now I think my system's all cut up. I yeah. don't know. We'll see.
4: I had a similar experience where I woke up and I had no f- idea where I was.
6: <laughs> when we go, I'm going to just try and keep the um central time from the US <laughs> the whole time. It's like all I'm going to do is just is really sing enjoy karaoke. the nightlife. Yeah, I'm just singing karaoke. <laughs> yeah, sure.
4: Well, uh, I think Jeff is going to team up with Steven over there. Um, And he had a great uh, uh, team name that he came up with that his uh, trivia team usually does. And what is that, Steven?
0: Uh, We are the Quizly Bears.
4: The Quizly Bears. All right. The Quizly Bears. Looking for that honey. I guess in honor of Neil's dinner, me and Matt are going to team up and be uh,
2: General Triviality's chicken. How about that? sounds good not too spicy just enough kick mm-hmm. the way we like it right i can't handle spice as you know so um we're, we're, oh, we were getting tacos the other day with ken and and uh, i asked the guy at the restaurant i was like is the sauce spicy and he's like no not at all no, no, not at all and i took it i took a bite and ken's like oh it's not that bad right And i was like <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't handle it so it then, was it was kind of spicy it was a little mm-hmm. spicy and then ken ate some grasshoppers yep yep Um, but uh, well thank you David uh, for they were were cooked like by the the (laughs) restaurant I didn't just find them yeah he didn't have (laughs) to catch them or anything Uh, thank you for writing this game David Uh, David uh, as you guys might know is coming to us from Austin Texas and uh, in honor of this game today I'm not going to be playing I'm going to be scorekeeping um, playing by myself so if I do win it counts if I don't it's okay (laughs) Um, but uh, I do have a fortune cookie over there so the winner will get to open the fortune cookie and we'll see what happens in bed so classic uh, classic fortune cookie Um, humor game there humor yeah Yeah. Um, all right right. well if you guys are, are good to go i'm gonna throw it to the rules guy
6: the rules of the game
2: are simple 20 questions split into two
6: rounds worth 10 points apiece at halftime there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host after regulation players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions at the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop.
7: I'm talking about all the way to the top, yeah.
2: We got to get him to do it in Japanese, too. <laughs> it, it could be possible. <laughs> I bet he could. He's a, he's a professional. Yeah. I mean, give him some I like time. I idea. Yeah. Give him some time. He'll learn it. Give him some money, probably. More like. Or some money. Uh, I prefer him to do it with no script, just to, uh, you know, learn it by heart. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, um, David, let's throw it to you, and, and uh, you can take over from here. Neil can enjoy his
3: chicken. All right, round one, question one. You heard it in church first. Born in Halle, Germany, what Baroque composer is responsible for the popular Hallelujah Chorus known from the Messiah Oratorio? Okay,
6: I think me and Matt are going to lock in. All right, well, with with, uh, Ken and Matt locked in, Stephen, uh, I have an immediate thought on this, but I wanted to get your feedback. What did you think on this one?
0: Uh, I mean, Handel's Messiah immediately came to mind. That was
6: what I was thinking.
4: Sounds yeah. good. And we have elected to lock in with the same answer. Yeah, and I, I didn't really have any thoughts, so I let Ken handle it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you
2: that was a hey, If we're <laughs> going to make jokes,
3: let's <laughs> handle them with care, okay? I love puns. <laughs> um, so he was a uh, citizen. Uh, he gained his citizenship in England, but he was born in Germany and is George Frederick Handel. Ah, right. Excellent. Good start. Good the next one's kind of a mouthful, so be ready. Famous femme fatales. Count Dracula is often attributed to Vlad the Impaler of Wallachia, but Countess Dracula is attributed to which Hungarian noblewoman who holds the Guinness World Record for most prolific female murderer and was accused of torturing and killing hundreds of young women between 1858 and 1609. She shares her name with a 1980s Swedish band who, along with Mayhem and Immortal, helped pave the way for heavy metal.
4: Oh man, Hungarian Countess. This, oh, There's this so is, many. This is so familiar, actually. Is it? And I just can't. I have I have written one prolific killer down, and it's not the hippo. The <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hungarian hippo.
6: Nice call back yes. to our fourth episode. Hungarian I think? Hungarian. But very early episode.
4: Yeah. Heavy metal from the eighties. Uh, no idea. No, no, no. Okay, we're locked in.
6: All right, Stephen. Uh, any thoughts on this? I was trying to run through early. Metal-ish bands that were Swedish, but the I was not getting very far on the Swedish one. Um, I kept thinking about it, like Iron Maiden, um, but that's obviously British. Um, what, what are your
0: sure. thoughts? I'm actually struggling. Uh, my Swedish metal is not uh, as strong as it should be.
4: Yeah, I feel the same the way. the Swedish metal name. is usually the strongest, <laughs> <laughs> certainly the darkest.
0: I don't know. the The name that came to mind, um, at least, was a. Uh, Queensrÿche,
6: okay, yeah, I've got nothing better than that. All the other Swedish bands I can think of don't fit that description. Um, I'm, I'm fine to lock in with that. I figure we'll, uh, we'll save everybody the time of us sitting here for an hour. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank All you. All
4: right. Well, uh, I just locked in with the, uh, the, the most prolific female killer I could think of, and that was
6: Lizzie Borden. Not marth, Not Amanarth. <laughs>
3: So she was known to bathe in the blood of virgins. She's one of the first people is to it, have done that. It is was this... Elizabeth Bathory.
2: Yeah. Oh man. I Do ma- mean, I did put Lizzie, <laughs> but no it's go. Super close.
6: It's a, it's a very different Lizzie for
2: sure. I haven't heard of of that person. I, I want to research that. That sounds really interesting. What was
3: interesting. the band? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bathory the band? is the band. Bathory. Huh? Is Bathory. The band. No,
2: oh, Bathory. Hmm. Interesting.
6: I have never heard, heard, of heard
3: of them. Question three famously fictional. Martin Aerosmith was a bacteriological researcher and titular character of the 1926 novel written by whom. He was awarded the 1926 Pulitzer Prize for the novel but refused to accept the award, he being the author.
7: Well, so this is probably something in the lines of uh, like a science fiction-y, right? That's what
6: I was thinking.
3: Martin Aerosmith, which is the character, was the bacteriological
2: researcher.
6: Okay.
3: And not we, the author.
2: Right. And we need the author. Any
6: relation to the later band?
2: Yeah. Steven Tyler's a huge fan of this book.
6: Okay. We're locked in. I'm really curious uh, as to what you're thinking on this one, Stephen. I've got uh, not much of an inroad, so I'm, I'm open to suggestion.
2: I mean, I'm
0: still picking up pieces of my brain. Uh, literature's <laughs> not exactly a strong suit
6: for me. Fair enough. Um,
0: um, what did... Did you have any thoughts, guesses? I mean, like when I hear bacterial researcher, I assume that this author in the 20s may have been medically related. I'm not sure.
6: Yeah, I was, and, I, Yeah, not, unfortunately, I'm not really good with anybody in that time frame. Um, yeah, I've got nothing better. I'm fine uh, thinking something like, uh, like a Hemingway. That would have been pretty early for him, but, uh, you know, I could see it.
4: Well, uh, they're going with Hemingway. Uh, we also thought that our selection was maybe a little... Uh, too late to the party uh, But we're going to stick with the science fiction and Go with Kurt Vonnegut
5: Oh damn, science
3: fiction <laughs> So in 1926 he was the first person To refuse the Pulitzer Prize And in 1930 he won the Nobel Prize For literature um, He did not agree that contests were, He didn't agree with contests where one book or author Was praised or another and that's why he
2: decided to Refuse it and it was Sinclair Lewis
1: mm. okay. oh. His book was called
3: Smith.
5: All right. Are there
2: any other notable novels that he wrote? Babbitt. Walk, Walk This second. Way. All oh, right. Uh, in an Elevator. Yeah. Ragdoll. Okay. <laughs> um,
3: he wrote Main Street, Babbitt, Aerosmith, and Elmer, Elmer Gantry. Question four. Shorties in sports ball. In 1947, the first National Little League tournament, later dubbed the Little League World Series in 1949, had the Maynard Midgets defeating the Lock Haven All-Stars, both from which state? Yeah, we can lock in.
6: Do you actually know this one? No, no, no. I have a guess. Oh. <laughs> you have any uh you have any thoughts on this one, Stephen? I'm thinking with a name like uh like Maynard and Haven, it's some, you know, kind of a New Englandish uh, you know, you, state. Uh,
0: don't have an immediate one, but something northeast is uh certainly what I'm leaning towards.
6: Yeah, I don't, I don't know why I had like a I had like a weird like New Hampshire vibe about it immediately for no reason. So, we'll say New Hampshire. We'll uh live for or die. So, all right.
7: good. Um, so the Little League World Series is played in Williamsburg, Virginia, I believe, currently. So my guess would be that the first one would have teams from there. So we said Virginia. So
3: in 1947, the Maynard Midgets won 16-7, to 7, and 11 out of the 12 teams were from Pennsylvania.
7: Pennsylvania. That was my second guess. Doesn't count.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Question five. And they said TV would rot our brains.
6: Yeah, I think it did in mine case.
3: <laughs> Outtake footage from which HBO comedy was used to clear Juan Catalan from murder charges in
2: 2003. I got this one. I'm locked in as well, even though I'm not playing.
6: <laughs> okay, Steven, I've definitely heard of this. Uh, when I think of HBO comedies from that time, though, I'm thinking Curb Your Enthusiasm. Does that sound about right?
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm, that sounds
6: good. Okay. We're going with Curb Your Enthusiasm
4: and we are also going with kerb Your enthusiasm assuming that uh, after the verdict was read it cut to the prosecutor and bump bump bump
3: so um what happened was he was accused of murder and then he said his alibi was that he was with his daughter at the Dodgers game and they couldn't his lawyers who had subpoenaed the footage couldn't find him on the fox footage or the Dodgers footage and then they found out that they had re- were recording an episode of kerb Your enthusiasm and they looked at the outtakes and found him and his daughter sitting in the stands.
6: That's crazy. All right.
2: Yeah, it's a really fascinating story. They have a little mini doc that was on Netflix at one point. I don't know if it's still there, but if you find it, it's I'm pretty su- sure I had heard super about it
6: because of the promotion for the documentary
2: and not mm-hmm. anything else. but. Uh, well, <laughs> after five questions, uh, it's 20 to 20. All right. So
3: question six, land on under. Cyril Callister, an Australian food technologist, is considered the father and developer of what food after the British imports of a similar product became scarce following World War
6: I? We can lock in. That's fine. Um, Stephen, my gut goes to, to Vegemite on this one. Um, we joke about it oh, on the show. Yeah. I can't think of anything else that would be distinctly different. Um, if I'm reading the room right, the gentleman across the table seemed to think similarly, I would guess. But yeah i'm thinking vegemite so i don't know how you feel about that but
0: that works for me
6: okay uh, i think we're gonna lock in with vegemite uh yeah we <laughs>
7: we're thinking the same and if it's australian it's food we're thinking vegemite so we said
3: vegemite the british version was the b vitamin spread and it's vegemite mm, right
4: vegemite sounds more appetizing somehow then <laughs> B vitamin spread.
2: I actually called three stores, four stores, uh, yesterday to try to get Vegemite in today so you would eat it on camera, yeah. but I couldn't find it, so we have to order it online. I have it. You have it at home? I
4: still have it. It's
2: expired. Oh, it i won't spoil. eat spoiled. <laughs> now, if you win, you will bathe in Vegemite. Somebody <laughs> tells me it wouldn't be that bad for the skin. Neil's on a bathing kick. It's <laughs> I'm on <an>, I'm <laughs> a bathing kick. I'm on a very like uh, old west, uh, you know, I have to take a, a 90 degree bath once a month. That type of thing
3: Alright question 7 Familial dispu- disputes The Muslim community split into the Sunni and Shia branches Over who was, who was to succeed Muhammad The Sunnis believed Abu Bakr was a, the rightful successor While the Shias believed who was the rightful successor of Muhammad
7: I took, um, I took a
4: world religion class Well I feel like uh, venturing a guess on this might
6: <laughs> Be troublesome Might be troublesome <laughs> I have no idea Yeah Stephen, I I, uh, I don't know if you know much about this. Um, I looked it up once, which is not very helpful, because um, I was like, uh, well, yeah, you, I was curious. I was like, you know, I wanted to know the difference between the Sunni and Shia sects. So, you have any thoughts? I feel like one of them was like a descendant of uh, Muhammad, and another one was like uh, like another prophet, and I think the other prophet was uh, Abu Bakr, but I I can't remember. All the other names I'm coming up with are like eighth through twelfth century philosophers of that era i've got no other good names
0: because i won't be able to pull an arabic name i was hoping that maybe uh the differentiation uh, much like the you know religious title out there is imam that you know perhaps that was the person's name and it's just adopted for leaders of various sex but uh i uh can't logically come to uh, the correct answer on this, I mean, uh, at least of
6: confidence. That seems reasonable-ish to me. I've, I've got nothing better than that. I think that's a sensible way to go about it, so uh, I'm good guessing, uh, Imam. Yep,
4: we have no idea, so mm-hmm. we're just going to tap a Yep.
3: It is Ali. Um, ah! Almost like Muhammad Ali, but not. That's exactly <laughs> Is it
6: just Ali, or is it like Abu Ali, or...
3: Um, it's Ali Ibn something or another. Yeah, Ibn,
6: Ibn's pretty common.
3: All right. Question eight. All in the family. Name the American actress and musician, daughter of an Academy Award-nominated cinematographer and director, and sister of a successful television actress who was named after a male J.D. Salinger protagonist. Yeah. Let's, let's go with that. Yeah. Okay.
6: We're locked in. All right, Stephen, do you have any uh, inroads on this? I'm trying to think of um, Salinger protagonists that aren't Holden Caulfield.
0: I thought he only wrote one book, didn't he?
6: He, he might have.
0: Yeah, I, I thought J.D. Salinger was like one of a handful of offers where he only wrote one book, that and does sound he right. disappeared for fifty years. So, pretty sure that he only wrote *Catcher in the Rye*.
6: Okay. Yeah, and that's that's where I'm getting stuck. Uh, I can't think of any. I feel like a, I feel like there's a Holden out there, but I can't I can't put two and two together.
0: Holden Coppola. <laughs> Was he
6: a i think we're yeah i think we're locked in with uh, holden coppola
7: not a bad guess mm-hmm. <laughs> matt um yeah i mean i don't know the protagonist character but we based it on the cinematographer the musician and sister actor and uh just hoping that there's a character named zoe somewhere and said zoe de chanel
2: uh, Well, I, I'm just going to throw my hat in the ring here. Um, Zoe Deschanel's dad is a famous cinematographer. He did the right stuff in um, uh, The Natural and uh, a couple other movies, but uh, that was my guest, Deschanel. Uh,
3: Sister Emily, who's on Bones, it's Zoe Deschanel. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of
2: Bones, give
4: me the pound. Man. Nice. <laughs> well done.
3: So, the J.D. Salinger situ- situation is he wrote one book, but he had short stories. So, so Zoe comes from Franny and Zoe, which is a short story compilation. Okay. Which gets around oh, nice. the whole? He wrote one book. So, gotcha. Uh, question nine. Open up. Dental amalgam used for fillings is an alloy that is a mixture of metals or other substances. With what specific element?
2: I just had a filling done, and yeah, I'm trying to think of that. Really, I don't. Take pick, pick an element. Pick an
7: element. Okay, I I, I have an answer. Okay, we're in.
0: Aluminum. I, I'm I'm trying to come up with some anagram or something. You know, where a element comes from amalgam or
6: all right hear me out this might sound crazy i'm pretty sure like 15 years ago uh, when i got my first filling i asked my dentist what it w- was actually in the filling because i'm you know, one of those kids mm-hmm. and uh yeah I'm, we know i'm pretty sure he said it was like an amalgam of mercury and i was like completely awestruck that that was like even not like safe or non-toxic and i don't know if i've made that story up or if that really happened but i feel like it's just crazy enough that it might be the right answer so
0: Hey, if it's right, I'd, I'll
6: i like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in the same boat. I hope it's right. So. Did you
2: have a teenage voice and you're like, you lie, sir, you lie?
6: No. <laughs> okay. I went straight from like a really high-pitched kid's voice to this.
2: That's probably because that's why you, you grew your beard when you were like 12, right? <laughs> yep. Had it
7: ever since. False. So you, so you guys are locked in with mercury? I think so.
0: It's a liquid, but yeah,
6: sure. I think, not, a, I think not the amalgam, chef though.
4: is right, but we went with.
7: Uh, when you're thinking of the mouth, you think of tungsten...
1: <laughs> <Stupid>.
3: <laughs> so amalgam in general is any uh, alloy. There's not just not restricted just dental, but um, it is it is mercury. Yeah. Wow! Ooh. Wow! Good job.
2: <laughs> Gaining back those points to keep the game tied there. Wow. That might have
4: sounded like it was like a surprising victory, but I've been like looking at Jeff's face. He knew that.
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, like, I pretty like distinctly remember I was like what's actually in this and then, yeah. and then he's like mercury and I was like no there's no way well, you would you, not put mercury in my said mouth it, I was, like, yep, I was right. like I trust you yeah. I trust you with my mouth man
3: alright question 10 the category is strictly friends in three dimensional space there are five platonic solids which means they are regular convex polyhedrons four of the five polyhedrons end in the word hedron what is the only platonic solid that does not end with hedron
6: All right, um, I'm going to wait for them to figure it out, but uh, I think I've got it, so we'll figure it out, Stephen. Works for me. So that's what I would have locked in with anyway. Okay, we're in. Do you know the uh, five platonic solids, Stephen? Not at all. Okay, so they're D&D dice, if you're familiar with that reference. Uh, Yes, I do understand that reference. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Mm. So uh, working your way up, the four-sided is a tetrahedron. Um, The one that's like two pyramids smashed together, eight-sided, I believe, is an octahedron. Um, you have a decahedron, a icosahedron is twenty-sided, but that's not—I don't think that's a Platonic solid. Um, and I'm trying to remember what the—what dodecahedron is twelve-sided, yeah. Um, a cube, I think, is the only one because that would be the six-sided die. And we're rolling a super bowl and going with <laughs> sphere.
3: <laughs> so is a tetrahedron, an octahedron, a dodecahedron, an icosahedron, and a cube. Yeah.
7: Hey! So, I felt like they had to have parallel sides or something.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I like you.
3: (laughs) Roll for intelligence.
2: Wow. Well, going into the swing round, uh, Jeff and Steven uh, have a slight lead. They took the lead there, 50 to 40. Wow. Going into the swing round. I just wanted to say one thing before we give it back to you, uh, David. Um, We have our video bonus series that uh, has either aired or is currently airing, so make sure to check it out, Triviality Bloodsport. It's either in our Facebook group called The Crop, or you can find it on our YouTube channel. Uh, also, uh, we just want to give a nice shout out uh, to Patreon uh, because David is a universal champion there. Um, just go to patreon.com slash Triviality to sign up for uh, a bevy of different perks uh, to help support the show. Every dollar you give us helps the show and helps us create new things like the Triviality Bloodsport video series. And uh, we really appreciate it, and it's helping the show grow. So thank you to everyone who is supporting us, who will support us, and for anyone that uh, spreads the word. So thank you.
7: Yeah, yeah, lo- lots of uh, wacky bonus episodes
6: on there for you, too.
7: So
2: yes. yes. If, you, if
7: you like the nonsense part Odd of the
6: show. Uncensored. I, I, I still think my favorite one is that one we did a, in Boston at like 2 a.m. for yeah. no reason. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. That was
2: very good in the Airbnb. Um, and then, yeah, uh, just, uh, you know, Hit us up uh, on Facebook, like we said, on the, either the page or the or the crop, the group, and uh, come have fun. There's a lot of gifts.
3: All right. Halftime. Want to play a game? Each, I'm going to give you 10 descriptions of Spiel des Jahres, uh, Game of the Year winners. Yeah. You have to name them.
6: <laughs> Someone may have this Wikipedia page bookmarked. <laughs> Is it you, Ken? Oh, damn.
3: <laughs> so I'm going to give you a year and a description, and you just give me the name of the game. All right, question one, 2016. Spy masters give one word clues that point to multiple words on a board where their teammates try to guess words of the right color while avoiding those that belong to opposing teams. Question two, 2014. Players bet on five racing camels, trying to suss out which will place first and second in a quick race around a pyramid. Question three, 2013. Named for the Japanese word for fireworks, a cooperative game in which players try to create the perfect fireworks show by placing cards on a table in the right order. Question four, 2011. Using 108 wooden blocks with six different shapes and six different colors, the start player places blocks of a single matching attribute, color or shape, but not both, on the table. Thereafter, a player adds blocks adjacent to each one previously played or each one previously played block. The blocks must all be played in a line and match without duplicates, either the color or shape of the previous block. Question five, 2010. One player is a storyteller for the turn and looks at the images on six cards in his or her hand. From one of these, she makes up a sentence and says it out loud. Each... Each other player selects a card from their hand which best matches the description and places it down in front of the storyteller without showing it to the others. Everyone votes on which one's the correct one.
6: It really sucks when you've played these games I and saying, you I can't def- remember the name. I've played that
3: one for sure. <laughs> it's one of my favorite games. <laughs> Question six, 2009. A medieval-themed deck-building game where each player uses yes. a separate deck of cards to perform actions and buy cards from a common pool. These cards include action, treasure, and victory cards, and a player with the most victory points win.
6: Shout out to Jason. He says this is his favorite card slash deck building game. He is wrong because that is Magic the Gathering.
3: Oh yeah, so good. <laughs> That's gonna be an answer. <laughs> Question seven, two thousand four. Never want to be Players collect cards of various types of train or various types of train cars they then use to claim railroad routes on the United in North America. The longer the route, the more points they earn. Additional points come to those who fulfilled objectives and to the other player who built the longest continuous route. Question 8, 2001. A tile placement game in which the players draw, a place, uh, draw in place a city, road, cloister, grassland, or a combination tile with a piece of southern France landscape on it. Having placed a tile, the player can then decide to place one of his knights, robbers, monks, or farmer meeples on one of the areas when the area is complete that meeple scores points for his owner Wait. number nine 1995 players build settlements cities and roads on each turn dice are roll to determine what resources the island produces players collect these resources wood grain brick sheep or stone to build up their civilizations to get to 10 victory points and win the game amen question 10 1980 similar to a card game of similar strategy players try to get rid of tiles by forming numbers into runs of three or more or three of a kind the colors of the colors of the numbers on the tiles are like card suits
2: i was just hoping for a <laughs> cones of dunshire reference Oh,
3: i love that game
6: i think i'd be the ledgerman
1: i will watch that episode it's like one of the only episodes i've actually watched <laughs> <laughs> i'm jane perlez
5: So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
4: All right. Well, we've had some time to discuss with our teammates, so let's toss it back over to David.
3: All right. So the 2016 game, their Spy Masters give one-word clues, is?
4: Uh, we went with the classic uh, Spy versus Spy.
6: Mm-hmm uh I, I feel i feel embarrassed i feel like i should know this one um but i said maybe he was being kind of tricksy and we said spymasters, so
3: the answer is code names mm, no point yeah that's there. the one all right question two the 2014 where players bet on which camel win the race yes. what'd you guys put uh
7: we said my humps my humps my board game camel humps <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> is that not right <laughs>
6: yeah. well we'll find out um i i think this one is called camel up
3: so what you do you take a giant pyramid and you shake dice that's in it and they come out and then you kind of bet and it's called camel up all right yeah <laughs> question three the 2013 game that's japanese for the word fireworks we went with uh kaboom
6: i feel like uh we have the wrong one here but i couldn't get it out of my head so we said takanoko
3: uh, so Takenoko is the game with the pandas That you yeah. were talking about earlier um, <laughs> But uh, it's Hanabi oh,
6: mm. That's right, okay I can see the box now too
3: Alright, question four The 2011 game with 108 wooden blocks Of different colors and shapes
6: We're going to go with uh,
4: Black Sabbath's Crazy Train
6: <laughs> um, I know Dixit is somewhere On the list of Spiel des Yaris winners um, I couldn't get it out of my head, never played it uh, We just guessed Dixit
3: And this one is Quirkle yeah Uh, yep heard of that one too (laughs) number five the 2010 game with a storyteller who looks at images
4: uh we are gonna say this one is called wacky telephone
6: uh steven and i were talking about uh games where you put cards into a pot and pick the winner uh we said apples to apples because we uh couldn't come up with anything else
3: It's very close to apples to apples, but just with pictures. Uh, And it's pretty cool. It's one of my favorite games, actually, because the pictures are so cool. They look like paintings. Um, And this is Dixit. Oh, Oh. this one's Dixit. Ah!
7: This one's Dixit. (laughs) I knew it was on the list somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Just went off there.
3: (laughs) All right, question six. The 2009 medieval deck-building game.
4: All right, so this one pisses me off because I wrote uh, Domain, and then I heard Jeff say Dominion
3: and uh i
4: just didn't think enough about it and we went with domain
6: i i believe unfortunately we are the ones who had dominion over this answer we said dominion Mm -hmm.
3: the answer is dominion whoops (laughs) 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 all right question seven the 2004 game where players um basically make train routes
4: uh we went with ticket to ride on this one and we too went ticket to ride
3: answer is ticket to ride Question eight. The 2001 tile placement game with uh, pieces of south of southern France on it.
4: Uh, we went with Vive la France. Um,
6: he, David said the word meeples. When I think of meeples, there's only one real game. The game that started it all for meeples. And I believe the game is Agricola.
4: The game that started it all for meeples.
6: It's kind of a trend in these kinds of games. Oh. Little minifigures called meeples. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is it the move? So I'm a little
3: worried because... I'm a little worried because Jeff said it was his favorite game, but it's Carcassonne.
6: Oh, th- I thought Carcassonne was way earlier.
3: Um, it won in 2001, so the the years of the the years of the games won isn't exactly when they came out.
6: I thought oh. you said that one was 2008. Okay, that I was mm-hmm. way off.
3: All right, number nine, 1995 game where players build settlements, cities, and roads.
6: Uh, Settlers of Catan. We agree, Settlers of Catan.
3: Catan or Settlers of Catan. Number 10, 1980, uh, similar to a card game where you get three of three or four of a kind. Uh, we're going to go with Uno.
6: Steven bailed me out on this one, I, but we think this is Rummy Cube.
3: The card game is Rummy, and the tile game is Rummy Cube.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a big 10 points on this one. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Team General Triviality's Chicken is going to get 10 points. They're up to 50. And then uh, Jeff and Steven, Team Quizly Bears is going to be up to 75. Wow.
7: That did not go well for us. I <laughs> surge.
3: Round two, question one. It's not Surat. In painting and drawing, what is the name for the technique of using small dots of a single color as opposed to the multicolor pointillism to create a pattern simulating various degrees of solidity and shading?
4: That one took a left turn.
3: Yeah.
6: Yeah, because you, you heard pointillism screaming from the back of your brain.
4: All right. Uh, we are going to go ahead and lock in.
6: Uh, I think we, we're locked in, too. We're going right. to say, we'll say dot matrixing. Uh, I
7: don't think that's right. I, but, don't, uh, I don't think so either. Yeah, Matt? We went with the more modern neo-pointillism.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the answer is stippling or head cuts. Ooh, never going to get that. Head cuts. No. Mm-hmm. I must have been sick
7: that day in our class. Yeah. I don't think we ever got that (laughs) that far. We got the perspective, and that was about it.
3: All right. Question two Let him down easy. Dr. Death refers to which American pathologist and euthanasia activist who was convicted of second degree murder for his direct role in a case of voluntary euthanasia?
4: You know
2: it. I know one. Yep. Yeah.
7: He's famous. He's from around here, isn't he?
2: We all live down here. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind.
6: uh i'm gonna lean on your insight on this one Stephen.
0: his first name was jack i thought
6: you're thinking of kevorkian, kevorkian. yeah okay i'm good i'm good with that i don't have anything else to think on so i think we're going with uh, dr jack Kavorkian. yep
4: as portrayed by al al pacino <laughs> Kavorkian.
3: answer is dr jacob jack kevorkian
2: yeah i'm from michigan uh, yeah. yeah
3: question three blazing the oregon trail what lucky 1950s musical film takes place in 1850s Oregon where Howard Keel's character brings Millie home to the, fa- to the farm as a wife, starting a chain reaction for his brother's want of wives?
4: I think I actually know this.
6: <laughs> That's the most confidence I've ever seen. Yeah.
7: Like, are you sure it's not Oklahoma? No, it's probably I in might Oklahoma.
4: be wrong.
6: Uh,
0: tap on my end. Uh, <laughs> musical of-
6: yeah, I'm not great with musicals myself. I know Lucky is is something we can lean on, but uh, I think I'm I'm out of it. So,
0: well, I mean, the only luck reference that I have, but it, it, this musical is set in New York. I'm, you know, eighty three percent sure. Uh, guys and Dolls, because they have a uh, an iconic song that goes, "Luck be a lady tonight."
6: We could, put, we could put in Guys and Dolls. That's better than my Joy Luck Club answer. So. <laughs> <laughs>
4: all right well let me uh let me take you back about uh at least twenty years, probably more. My grandmother makes me watch this movie called Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and uh I told her it's a grandma movie <laughs> and uh, we uh we bring this up uh, quite frequently, so we're gonna go with Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and I'll have to have Grandma Alice listen to this episode.
3: All right, the answer is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers Wow.
2: <laughs> Grandma coming through. Good job, Grandma. Yeah, so they just did a, a production of Seven Brides to so Seven Brothers uh, op- over at uh, Oakbrook Brook Lane about two or three years ago. Hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a big acrobatic uh, barn building dance scene or something like
2: that. Yeah, there's a
3: lot it's of
7: dancing. Weird. <laughs> some kind of musical.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some kind of singing, some kind of dancing. It's almost incomprehensible. Mm-hmm.
3: Question four, the round's called Tokayo. Takayo is a word used by some Latin people that signifies a sort of kinship with people who share the same namesake. Niles Crane's wife and Mickey Mantle's other half of the M&M boys would loosely be considered Takayo because they share what name? We're locked
6: okay. in. We're in. Ooh, I know both of these references. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't. Uh, are, you, are you getting this one, Steven? I, I didn't know what Takayo meant because uh, I have customers who share my name and my one coworker is like, oh, it's your Takayo. And I was like, what the hell? Um, but then she explained and I was like, I still don't get it, but
0: okay. So Mickey Mantle was married to Marilyn Manson. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful people, the beautiful people. <laughs> uh,
6: the other half though, with the M M&M and M boys, I believe is someone else he, he played with on the Yankees. And is it Roger Maris?
0: My baseball knowledge is uh, minuscule.
6: Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm not getting the other half of this. I'm wondering if it's a Frazier reference. I don't get or something, but, uh, Dr. Fraser Crane, but uh, I've, got, I've got nothing better than Roger. So
0: that, That's all I've got is uh, Marilyn Monroe and s- someone else. Okay,
6: Don't <laughs> so, call it a comeback. Marilyn Monroe and someone else. <laughs> that's what you're,
7: you're lacking in with? Yes. <laughs> uh, and you said the answer, too. It's a shame because uh, it's the former home run king, Roger Maris. Uh, that was the name of his wife. It's Maris.
3: Hmm. So the answer is Maris.
2: And just for the record, Stephen, it was uh, Joe DiMaggio who was married to Marilyn Monroe. Oh, not mantle. I'm
3: off. All right. Question, uh, round two, question five. Millennial version of the three card Monty. The common advanced fee con, known as the 419 fraud, gets its name from the reference to an article in the Federal Criminal Code of which country?
6: Locked in. Locked in.
2: All right. They're locked in.
6: All right. um, uh, Yeah, I don't know on this one, Stephen. I'm trying to figure out an inroad. Do you have any ideas?
0: I mean, outside of you know, there's Napoleonic Code from France. Uh, I mean, I was just trying to think of countries with fraud, and I mean, Italy came to mind, especially of what they've been going through with food recently.
6: I don't know about, I, I'm I don't shooting at the
0: dark at this point. Uh, I mean, France with the Napoleonic Code.
6: Yeah, I've got no no better guesses, so I'll I'll lean on you at that one. Whatever you're uh, whatever you're feeling. Let's go Italy. All right, we'll go with Italy. All right. Um, so the advanced fee con I believe
7: is when they tell you that you need to pay a little bit now and then they'll pay you a lot later. Um, these scams started with usually a Nigerian prince. I believe that it, the code's named after from that country. So we said Nigeria.
4: They
3: say they're a Nigerian prince, but really it's just math.
7: Yeah. <laughs> Catfishing <laughs> all the time.
3: So the 419 code in the Nigerian criminal code refers to obtaining goods, credits, and
2: security under
3: false pretenses. The Very answer cool. is Nigeria. Nice.
2: Wow. wow. So uh, after the beginning of the second round, uh, Team General Triviality's Chicken has only missed one question. So they're, they're up 40 <laughs> points there. And uh, Team Quizly Bear only got one right. So uh, they're only up 10. So it looks like it's uh, 85 to 90. So wow. uh, General Triviality's Chicken took, uh, has taken the lead. Uh, round
3: two, question six is, Jesus, take the wheel. Before its merger with Peugeot in 1974, what automobile manufacturer was the first mass production car company outside of the United States and developed the world's first mass produced front wheel drive motor vehicle in 1934?
6: We could be locked in.
3: If they merge with Peugeot, they don't exist anymore? Is that the assumption?
6: Yeah, I would, I would think so. First front wheel drive. My, my, my gut went to Citroën, but they're still around. Uh, my other guess is weirdly, I think it might actually be a Japanese car company, and I wonder if it's uh, Datsun, who was—I um, know they eventually became Nissan, part of them. But um, there's like a weird Japanese-French car company relationship between like a few of those brands. Like Renault has an uh, affiliation with Nissan now, so I wonder if it's like uh, Datsun for some reason, just off the cuff.
0: I mean, I like that more than you know Saab
6: okay. or uh,
0: uh, some of the other um, ones
6: we had. We'll go with uh, we'll go with Datsun. We're just gonna go with uh,
4: Volkswagen because we don't know. Uh,
3: in 1974, um, Peugeot bought 38.2% of this company, and then in a later increase, when it went uh, bankrupt, it increased it to 89%. And it's Citroen. Oh, oh. Wow. Okay, go with the guy. So now they're all under they're all under the group PSA, which is like Peugeot, Citroen, uh, DS, Opel, and Vauxhall. All right, question seven: Under pressure. The SI unit for pressure, stress, and tensile strength is named after what Catholic mathematician and physicist?
6: Uh, we're, we're locked in. How about,
4: um, how about barry? <laughs> what kind? Of,
3: like barometer.
7: Oh, yeah. I mean, so pressure isn't like PSI. Yeah, that's pounds per, per square, square inch. inch pressure and tension would be... Let's say berries. That, that's
6: fine. Marv and berry. <laughs> uh, I believe this is uh, Pascal. Pascal.
3: It is Pascal. Plays Pascal. All right. Question eight. Sino superlatives. Wu Zechan, the de facto ruler of China from 665 to 690, who founded the Zhu dynasty, holds what distinction?
2: Well, we're waiting, I was going to say that there, uh, there was some pressure on Paramore's debut album, All mm-hmm. We Know Is Falling. Yeah. Oh, you I
3: love Paramore. Uh, we're going to be in on this.
2: Could
6: you, uh, could you spell it's the dynasty? closer now.
3: The dynasty? <laughs> Z-H-O-U.
6: I believe that's Joe.
3: Joe. Sorry.
6: We're good though. Um, Stephen, I think is this maybe the first emperor of what we would call China?
3: Cuz
0: I've I mean maybe, but um, I thought it wasn't really China. considered a Chinese empire until the the Qin dynasty. Could be. Uh QING. Yeah. Or something
6: like that. Yeah. It depends on which romanization. Um, yeah, I I I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess he's the the first emperor to rule over modern-day China. Not necessarily be Chinese, but modern day China.
4: And we're gonna say <laughs> maybe he was just the, the cutest little emperor and say he was the youngest.
3: So Wu was the first and only empress in Chinese history.
2: They get no point. You get no points, right? That is correct. Was okay. she also the youngest? Okay. She,
3: she was not the <laughs> <was laughs> youngest. She was the youngest, yeah. was the <laughs> youngest empress.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Half point. Good
3: point. Question nine. I like to check my boxes. Initiating civil service reform, naval modernization. Purging corruption in the post office and being shot in the abdomen by Charles Guteau is part of the action item list accomplished by which president?
0: Uh Jeff, I think we have it unlocked.
3: You do? Okay, good.
6: Um I- I'm happy to discuss, but I think I've got it down to two and I'm pretty sure which so we're I think we're okay. You guys are locked in? Yeah. All
4: right, dudes who are shot. Uh, Garfield, I believe. Mm hmm. Uh McKinley. Does Garfield seem Reagan?
7: Two yeah, Reagan seems too late for post office reform, right? Garfield uh, Gar Garfield and I I thought um what was the second one?
4: Was Hating Mondays
7: in the list? <laughs> yes. Lasagna, Lasagna reform. was on the list. Yeah. Someone <laughs> we'll go with McKinley. McKinley's in that, the era where we still right, where it felt like they're moving away from old timey ships towards new ships.
4: <laughs> yeah, he was in the he was the last president of the 1800s. Yeah,
7: it seems like a good time. Let's go McKinley. Also the namesake for the high school in Glee. Oh, wait. What about... Um... Hold on. We're not going McKinley. What about <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt? He was
0: shot.
6: Let's go Roosevelt. All right, uh, Stephen, what, what was your thought on this one?
0: I was thinking Reagan,
6: but... Yeah, we, uh, I'm good locking in with, uh, with Reagan.
3: So all of these items, all of these actions were accomplished or completed by James A. Garfield.
7: Oh, well, we go with the, the thing we first said.
6: Yeah, it was on the board, at least you said it. I feel good about that. Good enough. <laughs> and did the bullet actually hit Reagan? Yeah. In the leg or something? I don't know where, where it, it hit, hit him. In but, the gipper or something? Yeah, yeah. It hit him <laughs> right in the gipper.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Last question of the round. Herstory. Hmm. A groundbreaking 1863 book describing a widespread phenomenon introduced by Betty Friedan as, quote, the problem that has no name, end quote, was given a name in her book's title what was it
6: we're locked in i'm trying to remember because uh, ready for dan definitely uh, that name is very familiar but i think there is something uh, something phenomenon but I, I i'm not getting it i think we're just gonna have to tap out all right uh so i wrote down something quick
7: uh ken suggested what was it, the feminine mystique yeah um, but I thought it was something that people were kind of concerned about and it's around this time period it might be too late But we said reefer madness Okay,
3: in the early 1960s was the second wave of feminism. The book was titled the feminine, the feminine mystique. mystique Yeah, as soon as
6: feminine. as soon as that name came up. I was like, oh, yeah that's yeah. the one. <laughs>
4: no, I think
3: too about feminist <laughs> literature
4: <laughs> But We got talked out of it
2: All right after regulation, it looks like the game is going to be very tight going into the final round Uh, In second place, currently, are General Trivialities Chicken with 90 points. And in first place, narrowly by five points, is the Grizzly Bears with 95.
3: All right, the finals. Your categories are Silver Screen Reincarnations. Second one is Not Actual Carnations. Third one is What Incarnations. Four is Some Sort of Silly Nations. And five is She Goes Round in Full Rotations.
1: Kat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities.
5: The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Mm.
2: All right. All the wagers are locked in. So, David, feel free to go through the questions.
3: All right. Question one. Silver screen reincarnations. Often cited as an animated version of Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai, which which Pixar animated full-length film is the only one to technically be written in all lowercase letters? Oh, my
6: God. I'm so sad that we did not bet on this.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Question two. Not actual carnations. What is the name of the ostentatious ornamentation named after a flower spelled correctly by Anne of Green Gables that is given to dates during homecoming that can be average as large as two to three feet? okay? Question three. What incarnations? What intonation is a meme used to poke fun at the way Southerners express bewilderment? What English evolutionary biologist eth- ethologist, and author of books such as The Selfish Gene and God Delusion, coined the term meme. Got it. He did? (laughs) Question four. Some sort of silly nations. On his many voyages, Lemuel Gulliver visited many lands. The easiest to remember in his meetings, sorry, the easiest to remember is his meetings with the tiny Lilliputians on Lilliput. He also visited Glub Drib that was inhabited by magicians and sorcerers. Can you tell me what kind of people inhabited Brogdignag? And the last one is She Goes Round in Full Rotations. In 2017, the Victorian Roller Derby League, or VRDL, became the first non-U.S. team to win the international WFTDA championships. They're based out of which city?
2: All right. So all of the answers are locked in. We're going to have David go through the questions one more time, and I'll read the wagers.
3: All right. Question one, silver screen reincarnations. Often cited as an animated version of Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai, which Pixar animated full-length film is the only one to technically be written in all lowercase letters? So what was their wagers?
2: All right, uh, Team General Trivialities Chicken wagered 30, and Quizly Bears wagered zero. Mm.
4: Yeah, very confident on this one. Uh, it's one of my favorite fun facts, because basically every movie is a remake of a
6: Kurosawa movie, but uh, this one is <laughs> Bugs Life, even the ones that predate it.
7: Yeah. Especially the ones that predate.
6: Yeah, this one makes, makes me very sad, uh, figuring that I wouldn't get a movie question. We said we, we bet zero, and uh, it's a bug's life, without a doubt.
3: The answer is a bug's life. Question two, not actual carnations. What is the name of the ostentatious ornamentation named after a flower spelled correctly by Anne of Green Gables that is given to dates during homecoming that can average as large as two to three feet?
2: All right, Team General, uh, General Trivialities Chicken wagered 10, and Team Quizly Bears wagered an Oakland 5.
6: Yeah, I was thinking the the ones you pin on, uh, although I can't imagine they're two to three feet, but we said corsage. Yep, we said
3: corsage.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, it comes from the word chrysanthemum. They're mums. Oh, whoops. <laughs> All right, question three. What incarnations? What incarnation is a meme used to poke fun at the way Southerners express bewilderment? What English evolutionary biologist, ethologist, and author of books such as The Selfish Gene and
2: The God Delusion coined the term meme? General Trivialities Chicken, wager 10, and Quizley Bears, Oakland 5.
6: Uh, we believe this would be Dawkins. Yeah, we're inclined to agree that would be Dawkins.
2: The answer is Richard Dawkins.
3: Mm. Question four: Some sort of silly nations. On his many voyages, Lemuel Gulliver visited many lands. The easiest to remember in his meeting with, is the, sorry, the easiest to remember is, is his meeting with the tiny Lilliputians on Lilliput. He also visited Glubdrabdrib that was inhabited by magicians and sorcerers. Can you tell me what kind of people inhabited Brogdicknag?
2: All right. Well, uh, General Triviality's Chicken wager 10. Quizley Bears went all in with 30. And as we know, the Club Drib Drib uh, was home to all different R. Kelly's. All right. So what are your answers? <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure he visits some giants at some point in time. We figure maybe this is the place where. So we said giants. Yeah, either that or an island full of Jeff's.
6: Oh. I don't think so. Um, we We thought maybe this was the island full of old people.
3: Okay. So Hananims is the Equine People, and Brogdignag is the Giants. Wow. Big move. Big move. Wow. Okay. Question five. She goes round in full rotations. In 2017, the Victorian Roller Derby League, or VRDL, became the first non-U.S. team to win the international WFTDA championships. They are based out of which city? All
2: right. right, uh, Trivialities Chicken, wager 10, and Quizley Bears, 15. Yeah, we just uh, didn't really know this one, so we just guessed
6: Toronto. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat, uh, but we thought uh, Melbourne was in Victoria, Australia, so we guessed Melbourne.
3: In Victoria, Australia? They're from Melbourne. Wow.
6: But is it enough? It's it's not enough. (laughs) No. It's never enough. (laughs) According
4: to Robert Smith, it's never enough. It's never enough.
2: All right, so after regulation and the final round, it looks like the final scores are going to come together with Quizly Bears in second place with 80 points. And today, taking the lead and winning it all, team... All on that Silly Nation's question. That's correct. Team General Trivialities Chicken with 130 yeah. points and today's Cream of the Crop.
1: The Cream of the Crop! Nobody does
2: it better. The generals <laughs> are back.
6: One. Well done, gentlemen. Right. Here Boy. we
2: go. Uh, we're going to have them open the celebratory... Fortune cookie you and paid see. money for that. No, it okay, comes free.
4: Take half of this and we'll
2: we'll crack it. Oh,
6: wonderful, fully worked. GSMR. <laughs> GSMR, it's ASMR, whatever it's called. <laughs> yes. mm. GSR is gunshot mm. residue. Mm. <laughs>
4: <laughs> this is a good one. Your best investment
2: is in yourself. In bed. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, so that was a, a really, really great uh, game. David, thank you very much for, for hosting that, putting the questions together. Those were awesome. Yeah, no worries. Sorry, they were harder this time. No, all good. <laughs> they were good. Hey, that's <laughs> all
6: right. I, I, I didn't do well as well as I'd like on the mid-round, but I also loved the mid-round, so...
4: And the results speak for themselves.
2: Yeah. No, this was a, this is a great game. Uh, Stephen, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, I know some of those might've been, uh, hard, like you said, but, uh, you are a worthy competitor and I hope you get, you had fun.
0: Well, I, I enjoyed it. I hope to come back for redemption and I'm now going to go into hiding as the entire state of Texas, uh, tries to find me for not getting mums. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just make sure to keep that base
4: really low. So no one will hear you. Um, uh, David, uh, thanks for the seven brides for seven brothers question. I'll give you your 20 bucks in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm going to go hang out with your grandma
4: later. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: Thank you, Grandma Alice. Grandma Alice. All to you.
2: Hashtag Grandma Alice. Uh, so, Stephen, uh, we're going to let you go. But before we do, can you give us your handle again for people to check you out?
0: Uh, I don't know if I want to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, it's uh, at DJ Nursic, uh, DJ N U R S I C.
2: All right, the DJ nursing. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, and uh, David, and anything you can leave us with before we close out the show—maybe a lesson from Japan or something from tonight.
3: I don't know. Everybody in Japan just super nice, so I just just feel like in general just be nice to other people.
2: Hey, that's that's all we need to hear that's what that's what japan is basically just a bunch of david levices who are super nice so uh, <laughs> you're always super nice uh so yeah thank you very much to david and steven thank you to everyone here in the studio make sure to check check out our facebook group the crop in our video mini series blood sport mm-hmm. uh for jeff ken matt david and steven my name is neil and that was triviality
0: Gallstaff, you have entered the door to the north. You are now by yourself, standing in a dark room. The pungent stench of mildew emanates from the wet dungeon walls.
4: Where are the Cheetos?
0: They're right next to you. I cast a spell.
4: Where's the Mountain Dew?
0: In the fridge,
1: duh. I want to cast a spell.
5: Can I have a Mountain Dew? Yes,
1: you can have a Mountain Dew. Just go get it.